Hey, you. Welcome to Bonehead. Joe, do you think you could tell heaven from hell? Blue skies. From rain? Yeah. Something, something, walk on in a play. I don't know. I didn't pull up Do the you think you could tell? I'm trying to think of the theme song to Highway to Heaven, and it's, I'm blanking on it. I don't know. I, in it my was mind, a machine. She kept her motor clean. I was thinking, in my mind, it was the best it's literally woman it, I'd ever seen. She had this ugly size and kind of mean it, In my mind, the theme to Highway to Heaven is literally just an edited version of an ACDC song. Well, see, when I think of Highway to Heaven, I'm playing. You know what I'm playing in my head? The 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 ending song to to the Incredible Hulk, and I'm like, yeah. that's not it. You know what I'm thinking of? James has Ameri- those knocking me out with those American thighs. <laughs> I do. I've been. Uh, I mean, I've been saying Highway to Hell, but no, gentlemen, this well, was hard can't. to explain to our audience what we're about to do. But it's a we're about yeah. to do a Here, let me... about the afterlife. So we're, we're, this will be the first of two parts. We're Ghostbusters Afterlife. Um, we, we, so this came out because we talked about soul. Because I got soul, but I ain't a soldier. Uh, but we talked about... The and I'm soul. not a soul man because that movie is very racist. <laughs> How dare you? However, the Dan Aykroyd show... He's no from the hip with Judd... Judd I almost said Judd Hirsch. <laughs> That'd be a different from the hip. Sorry. Obscure 80s. Um, I was going, I always say I'm Soul Man and think Dan Aykroyd because of the sitcom. Uh, oh, well, I mean, in all honesty, guess which one of those is more acceptable to watch in modern day America? Dan Aykroyd. And he's Canadian. Uh, <laughs> our long anyway. Let him in. He'll Allegedly. With him. So, Soul uh, got us talking. And when we talked about Soul for our best of 2020, one of the things that we talked about is, oh, you know, depictions of the afterlife so that's what we're gonna do we're gonna talk and we're gonna do this episode talking about depictions of heaven or or at least the positive afterlife yeah and yeah. so it's not all it's it not all semi positive i don't have hell because we're going to do the next one over hell but mine yeah. I, I i didn't find her uh, i had a tough time with this one yeah what? even the and and what you know this is one of those ones where i we're, we're not doing and for this one we're not each doing a top three. This is a general discussion of 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 heaven and and how it's portrayed in movies and television. And probably James will t- bring up literature and um, obscure yes, Roman text. It is called literature. Literature. Book learning. You um, ain't can't not read. But uh, Harry Nelson, not nobody. <laughs> not, uh, but don't yeah. Know. So I just. Uh, but one of those things, I, so but I still put together a list of movies that I thought did the best portrayal of of heaven in the afterlife, and I was be damned if none of mine aren't obscure. I'm like, oh, they're on every list. <laughs> well, yeah, because I don't think there's a ton of them. I I, 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 since I had the hardest time, you guys want me to go first as far as what I was trying to figure out about what I think is heaven and what movie represents it. There was really only one movie that deals with it and it isn't necessarily heaven. So I'm glad we're saying afterlife, but it yeah. isn't hell either. And it's one of my favorite Albert Brooks films, which is defending your life, your life. That was my number one as well. Holy shit, Chad I actually left another one because I thought it would be yours. Uh, no, uh, the other one. So I was, I was, Did I was struggling. Named Richard wrote the book of your other one. Oh, you know, maybe. <laughs> okay. I don't know who wrote the book. Did, a, no, did the, the star uh, commit suicide? Yeah. Then yeah. The, yeah. It, it was it, it was a struggle. Those are the top two for me. Defending your life is one of my favorites because it's, it's 
it's amazing. It re- okay, and a lot of people like Missing in America or whatever it's called, and it's not bad. And that's one with him and Julie. It's not Newmar. It's Kevin. I can't. Haggerty. Julie Haggerty. Thank you, Chad. You're welcome. It has Rip Torn in it. It has Meryl Streep. It's written and directed by Albert Brooks. And basically, Afterlife is you defending your life. It's not a hell. It's not necessarily a punishment. But before you can move on to hell, Chad, and mm-hmm. correct me anytime, you have to go into a court and prove did you make the most or try to make the most of your life. Well, and it's not hell. You have you have two options. You have to go back. You you yeah. Defending your life in this one, it's how smart are you? That's all it is. It's how smart are you? And it's based on the decisions you've made on how fearful you were in your life. You think Um, it's smart, really? I don't know that I think it's smart. I mean, all the people that are helping him are smarter than him because they use more of their eyes. If if I remember, the plot is you have to reach a certain level of smartness to move on to the next level. I think it's fear. I think it's it's living your life to the most. So yeah, and that's what, yeah, but they, they kept calling it being smarter. But yeah, it's it's not being afraid in life and you're defending it and you have one of options. You either move on to the next level or you repeat yourself and start again. Well, here's the... And, and, and one of the best parts for the movie was Rip Torn going, you never want to meet... You, you, there are people who've done this a hundred times. You don't want to talk to them. <laughs> While there, one must prove in courtroom style process that he successfully overcame his fears. Okay, then yeah. Move to the next stage of existence. Okay. It's an interesting picture. It's actually, I don't know that it's Meryl Streep's best role i don't think that by even a long shot no because she, she's fa- she's in it but she doesn't have a whole lot in it doesn't have a lot of, she's the love interest they meet at a nightclub it has a lot of inside jokes it's got references to other movies i i, I really thought i'd be the only one bringing this one up no i, I love known better i should have known better and i love albert brooks well i like albert brooks i i, yeah. I love him in a few things uh <laughs> broadcast news anyway so I just like the idea of it. And there's some great scenes. Yeah. There's one scene where you can go into the hall of the, of your past lives. I don't remember the name of it. Chad. Do you remember this scene? Uh, yeah. I know the scene you're talking about. Yeah. And then, so he meets this girl played by Meryl Streep. Her, her is her trial for the next existence is going great. They're having a good time. His, it isn't going so well. Does that make sense? They show all the things that he's done yeah. wrong, that he screwed up, that he's been scared of, that he hasn't got past his fear to be able to live his life. And he goes into this where you can watch your uh, afterlife and they come out at the end of it. Meryl Streep. Well, I got to do this and I was there and I was there. And basically he was like a, a, a warrior, an African warrior running from a lion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Meryl Streep, time. that was it. Yeah. So Meryl Streep was Prince Valiant. Oh, was that what it was? I it was remember. Prince Valiant, yeah. And then he is a tribal warrior running away for his life, <laughs> just constantly the and then whole you, time. And then you, yeah. And then you know, you you have your 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 sight gags of an old man putting his hand on the screen to see who he was, and he's a little girl with a balloon looking for her doggy. And then another, and then an older lady puts it on, and then she she's a sumo wrestler. So you know, <laughs> but uh, and one of the aspects I loved it too, and they, they he played it perfectly is you know one of the things rip torn says at the beginning when he's introducing him to the afterlife is we have the best food you will ever eat eat as much as you want you'll never get full Mm -hmm. and then you know he cut to him and meryl streep at the restaurant talking about their day and the waiter comes and goes um do you you want me to pack up that for you no no well are you going to need dessert no 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 
you'll want some pie. I'll pack you some pies. I don't want pie. I don't want pie. And then he comes out with 19 boxes of pie. He comes out of pie for every day he's going to be there. So the more days you're there, everyone looks like, oh, like if you're there for two days, right? Yeah. It's, hey, you're here for two days. I'm here for 10 days. Oh, 10 days. And then they, it never and then, explains know, it, but the more days. It, James, have you ever seen Defending Your Life? No, but it sounds like one that I'm going to talk about that I really enjoy. So it's, it's, it sounds like it's very similar in, in, in vain to, to one I will talk about later. Yeah, the, the three movies that I, I, I want to mention, that they're all about, I, I guess, overcoming fear. Yeah, and, and trying to live your life to the most, and I, and and that's all of our problems, right? I mean, should I do this? Should I hold out? And there's even a scene in the movie about him. He's going, he's talking himself out with his, talking himself up with his ex-wife. I'm going to hold out for sixty-five thousand dollars. I want to hold out for sixty-five thousand dollars. I want to hold out sixty-five thousand dollars. Cut to them. We're going to give you forty-nine thousand dollars. I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. And then you know he 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 wants to, he he's afraid to invest in. Um, uh, some uh, uh i think cassio i, I want to say cassio that. i can't remember and he passes on that because he goes the swiss have the best watches why would i do that i'm not going to do that and then it becomes the biggest stock and they go well what did you invest in cows <laughs> <laughs> say what you will chad they're still around today <laughs> that's true and i don't have a cassio but chad well and, and and then you but know well, they go and, but he and they go well what happened to the cows you invest they died <laughs> I ate them. It was a great investment. Finally, the sandwich-heavy portfolio. Portfolio pays off. And 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 to our For listening the four audience, people that get that, you know, if you haven't seen defending your life, make your do assure yourself a treat, and you know just hope that maybe this is the afterlife. Um, but I don't. I hope to God when I die, I'm not one of the hundreds. I probably am. <laughs> <laughs> well, I give it's not for everyone's <laughs> taste. Probably. There's some there's some obscure jokes. It's still Albert Brooks humor. There's going to be a lot of talking. It's uh, if you if you have to if Die Hard and I love Die Hard. Let me think of another one. If Gone in sixty seconds is a little slow for you, probably not yeah, defending yeah. your life. Yeah, but if you're like me and can like Gone in sixty seconds and then watch the Seven Seal on the same day, I was going to save my dinner with Andre, but sure, sure. So, I love Seven Seal. So, James, what movie are you going to talk about? What well, movie do you I want to talk about start. that's similar to Defending Your Life? Because I'm kind of curious. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I want to, I guess I can jump ahead to that one because I. Yeah, I, because I want, there's no order. It's supposed to be a conversation. People well, are. Okay, fine. Enjoy our fine. Band. Fine. Because I was saying about Soul, and I was like, Soul has some interesting scenes in Not it. Not Soul Man, though, right? Um, I'm going to keep, I'm going to do this joke as many times as I can get you know, it in. I'm going to be 100 on here and ask him about it. I'm going to be 110% honest. I don't know if I've ever seen all of it. I have seen it. I have seen it. I don't think I have. I think that's one where even my parents looked at it and be like, why would we waste our time with this? Even before it's getting called out for the racism that it is, even then I'm like, ooh. (laughs) I don't remember doing that, but I saw it as a kid probably when it came out on the satellite and HBO. Doesn't James Earl Jones play his professor? I want to say that's true. I can't remember. It's been a while since I've seen it. I didn't see. I last time I saw it was a teenager, so I was a little. I was a little more woke. We'll get Jimmy Earl in here and ask him, James. Um. So I want to. Uh, so this one of the things that struck me about Soulman that I liked, I and mean, I think we even talked about Soulman. I screw you, Chad. Soul <laughs> say Soulman. Soul. <laughs> one of the things that liked me about that I liked about Soul, and I think Don't we talked about liked was, me about Soul. What was the? Yeah, listen, I'm I'm flustered. 
Uh, but was the escalator? Man gets right? one cancer screen. Yeah, the escalator. <laughs> <laughs> Knock on wood. Uh, anyway, no. Uh, so the, the escalator part. Yeah. And, and I was thinking, I've seen that trope somewhere before, and it dawned on me where I saw it. And and sure enough, there's a criterion of this. I recommend everybody check it out. Start non-Rex Harrison British people. <laughs> um, and that isn't Rex Harrison. It's not that. Anyway, that joke. Anyway, um, David Niven. Yes. David Niven and Kim Hunter in A Matter of Life and Death, which when they brought it to America, they retitled stairway to heaven it's since been re-released under its original title i've never seen it but it was directed neither have i it was directed by michael powell and emmerich pressburger i know who Michael. and kim hunter uh kim hunter was actually put in the movie because it was made in 1946 and they wanted a movie that would celebrate an american and and a a a, a english man and so uh alfred hitchcock said oh you know i'm doing this movie uh, this actress Kim Hunter, I think she is the all-American girl. You should totally put her in your movie. And they met her, and they said that is the all-American girl that we want for this type of film. So, a matter of life and death. David Niven plays a fighter pilot, and their plane, their their transport uh, is shot, and he gets everybody off, but they do not have. Uh, they have enough equipment, but he's got a parachute, but he's getting everybody off, everybody off, everybody off. It's going to crash. They're all going to die. He gets everybody off. And at the end, his his uh, parachute, I think, is damaged. But he's like, well, I'm not going to burn up. I'm going to risk it. He jumps out of the plane, and then he wakes up on the beach. And, um, you know, it's, it, it starts with this really high-tension scene, but it's a, it's a, it's a romantic comedy at heart. Uh, it turns out that he got lost. Heaven lost him in the fog. And they forgot to take him. And then and, he came back and hurt Adrian Barbo. And then he goes on trial. He goes, basically, he's told this, this person comes again, goes, listen, Heaven's found you. And he goes, well, you can't take me now. Because right before he jumps, he's on the radio. And he talks to Kim Hunter's character. And he says, listen, I've got everybody off, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to make it. And she goes, listen, if you can make it, do make it. That's another reason he decides to jump and risk it, saying, well, at least I won't burn, is because he hears his voice on the radio and he decides if he does make it, that's the person he's going to fall in love with. He just sets it up in his mind. He then has to basically go on trial because when, when heaven or when the celestial court finds him, they say, no, listen, we missed you, but you were supposed to die. You've got to come with us. And he goes, no, 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 I, I'm in love now. You can't stop my love. Why did you let me have this and then take it from me? And they're going to put him, in, and, the, 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 and what's interesting about it, it's a technicolor film, but anytime he's going to heaven or going to the celestial court that will hear his case, it goes to black and white because heaven is black and white. There's good, there's bad, there's right, there's wrong. Earth is always technicolor and, and loudly technicolor. Uh, and it is always an escalator. Heaven is always an escalator. It's always a thing going up and up and up and up. And when he's going up at one of the best scenes in it, as David Niven's character is there and he has kind of this God, angel, whatever you want to call it. And they're like, oh, well, you get, you get to pick a defender. One of the great minds of time will take your side. You have to pick somebody from Earth. You have to pick a human. But anybody throughout history and the, the person that's guiding him goes, oh, how about Socrates? And he goes, what would Socrates know of modern love? 
he he argues theory and 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 you know he doesn't understand modern emotion and and doesn't Socrates say in one of his works that you've got to look past love and he goes I don't want to look past love I want to experience love and Lincoln's an option he goes well Lincoln Lincoln had other stuff going on he doesn't need to defend me he doesn't need to and so that, that's what the movie sounds all like. You're about. describing the uh, plot to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure right now. Um, isn't that Bogus Journey? No, Socrates and Abraham Lincoln uh, are wait, in the yeah. first one. Well, yeah, that's true. Okay, fine. Uh, but there's uh, Muhammad <laughs> amalgamation. They had to uh, restruct it into two Bill and Ted films to retell um, the David Niven story of I've done already forgot. <laughs> Stairway to but heaven. anyway, so so there's a criterion of this, but I'll just read a little bit of, of the summary. Peter Carter, who was just a summary? summary, is resigned to his fate, Jeez. but with, uh, with the desperate passion of a man determined to embrace every last sensation in the final seconds of his life. And so it's all about him going to find the love of his. No, tell is me this more Michael of, Keaton's my life. Tell me more about you. No, Michael Keaton doesn't go to heaven, does he? I don't know. I didn't watch. Well, it's life. it's it's my life is he's dying. Well, no, no, he I know goes to, got, no, he goes he goes and lay, sit, uh, lives on a nice fucking model. Um, <laughs> I just got the joke for a split second. I was thinking, which model is no. he fucking? <laughs> but no, if you've never seen if you've never seen it, there's a Criterion edition of it out. It's twenty seven bucks if you want the Blu Ray. What's interesting about it is, guess who introduces this film on the Criterion Edition? Alec Guinness. No, it's this young upstart named Scorsese. Never, Never heard, heard of him. Um, so there's, and of course, it's a, it's a Criterion Blu-ray. If you get the Blu-ray, it's got tons of features. It talks about how important this was. And this film was actually heralded as an important film for keeping British and American filmmakers working in unison in 1946 as we evolved that uh, artistic partnership which would continue on for quite some time. So if you've never seen A Matter of Life and Death, check it out. I feel so like maybe I we have should, now. Yeah. Maybe oh, we should... Uh, you all spent of, more time. I checked the tape. I'm pretty sure you all spent more time on it. Let me tell you about what Albert Brooks... Let me tell you about Albert Brooks eating pie. Well, let's spend another Yeah, that is a scene in the movie. Yeah. So <laughs> yes, I spent five minutes on pie eating. But see, so they brought him a pie for every day, James. James, and they were different flavors based on the colors on the box. Hey, here, if you're higher the IQ, the more your sensitivity is to taste. And so the shit that uh, that Rip Torn eats, uh, Albert Brooks thinks tastes like shit. Like dog shit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's move on to, uh, you know, Joe. Well, I know if this is my afterlife, which way I went. I repent. I repent. Oh. So let's talk about what probably the movie that i think most beautifully displays the the afterlife um the the what dreams may come starring robin williams written based on the novel by richard matheson see i didn't know that was a richard matheson book it's a richard matheson I didn't, I didn't novel, and i'm almost positive I, have, I will tell you a story about that once you give us tell us what it's about so uh, robin williams is a doctor who is in a terrible accident he wakes up and he's essentially in his own personal heaven is basically what it is. Yes, Patrick and it's, it's, wakes up in heaven. Yeah, and it's basically kind of like a, a a way station for him to get used to being dead before he moves on to the to the afterlife or to be reincarnated. Um, and it is so beautifully. It is one of the most beautiful films I think I've ever seen, in my honest opinion. Um, but he 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 his he constructs his heaven to look like one of his wife's paintings. 
and and in fact, all the grounds paint, the flowers he picks up are paint. Um, and it's just him coming to, gr to coming to grasp with the decisions he made in life because he 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 has to you know deal with the fact that he may not have been the best father. He tried his best. He may not have been the best husband. Uh, you know, he tried his best there. And it's all about him trying to come to terms with these items. And then, you know, he also finds out, you know, that um, there's other things that are going on that he needs to take care of while he's there. Um, it is a very beautiful, emotional film, in my opinion. I don't know how you feel about it, Joe. Yeah, I, I, I think it's pretty. Chad's being very vague in case you want, because the more you tell about it, the more you give away the plot. Yeah, I don't want to give a lot away about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, well, figure it out as it go. That what I was going to say. And I feel like this is one of those Robin Williams films that kind of has been... Not I don't think people remember it now. Yeah. Uh, Richard Matheson didn't care for it. But he, he also, I think it was hard for the, the movie to live up to the book. Because I don't know if you know anything he said about his book. Mm -mm. But he actually said that he viewed What Dreams May Come as the most important book that he wrote. Yeah. And here, uh, let me do the quote. I think What Dreams May Come is the most important read as effective book I've written. It has caused a number of readers to lose their fear of death, which is the finest tribute any writer could ask for. Yeah. He was not a fan of the movie. I don't think he liked the adaptation or the way they went with it. Now, I've actually, I've read a lot of Matheson. I've said this on the show before. Matheson has written two of my favorite novels of all time, um, I Am Legend and Hell House. And I say Hell House is a more effective haunted house book than Shirley Jackson's The Haunting. I prefer it over The Haunting. I know I'm the guy. But it is not I'm as the guy good. That a... prefers the Money Pit over the God. Well, in the kind no. of only Money Pit. It is shit. not as good a lottery book though as Shirley Jackson's The Lottery Story. No, no, that's actually my favorite Shirley Jackson story is a lottery. But I, I <laughs> I'm, I always think of the Squidbillies one change. <laughs> Oh, it's funny when I get Soul Man distracted, but you, yeah. So that's, it's got it's got a good cast. It's got Robin Williams, and I'm sitting here thinking about Suicide Chad and all that because yeah. it plays part of the movie too. Yeah, and in the yeah. plot of it, um, how life's tough, and yeah. that's another one of those where he's going through everything he did and didn't do. Right. You know, there was a lot of problems with his son yeah. that he didn't, he didn't actually handle that well. And, you know, sometimes I look at that too. And I, I do think of that, that movie sometimes when I'm thinking about my interactions with my kids, it's one of those instances where movies, I actually try to put, you know, put it in my head of going, right. I don't want to do that to my kids. Um, you know what helped uh, me with that was Fred Rogers. The, 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 the actual Tom Hanks movie with that, actually, I, I, I I need to watch that. I haven't it, seen it. It was really good. And at the end of it, I was like, yeah, I, there's no reason for me not to have more patience. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's totally re reasons. I mean, they may not always be good and appropriate, but in the grand scheme of things. For I, him, I James, I have no fucking patience for anyone else. But for him, I, I need to try to have more and more. So it is. But that, but now flip side of that, and I, I'm not devil's advocating Fred Rogers here, but at some point, don't you also have to to prepare him that people aren't going to have patience, that it is possible to have a bad day? that's something I talk to my kids about. Like, I may snap at you. It doesn't mean I love you. It means something has happened. I need 10 minutes. Give me 10 minutes. Yeah, he's not there yet. But, yes, you're right. I mean, because I'm, I also have to prepare them for when, you know, they walk in and their boss is having a bad day and snaps at them. Th that, that I don't want them to retreat from the world saying, my boss hates me now. No. 
you may well, have caught them at a bad time. They and they might. may, and you may get fired. It's happened to me. But tells my good look. Uh, well, Dreams May Come so is one sad. of the prettiest movies. I haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah, I, I, I haven't seen it in several years, but I, the, the imagery is ingrained in my head of that movie. And it's directed, the guy who directed it, Vincent Ward, he's only did like, he, he wrote Aliens 3. Yeah. Um, but other than that, he he's done a few things, but nothing on the level that was what dreams may come. And I, I just, where did that imagery come from? I mean, it 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 all in terms of movies about the afterlife in heaven, that's kind of where I hope. You know, it's like if that's rea- if that would be if that would be the way it actually is, I'd be okay with it. Well, but, obviously, I mean, Matheson pulled, and I know we're talking about the movie, but Matheson himself pulled a lot from classical literature, which I'm going to talk about in a second, you know, from things hack, like... Hack. Um, now, who, Matheson right, or call, Dante? You can call me whatever you like, but next one... And we have. S.O.B.'s calls me daddy. <laughs> I'm call me father. You can call me... So keep going on. Yeah, um, oh, Dick Matt, you leave Richard alone. Um, but he, I mean, he pulled from, and as a matter of fact, actually, the book has been recognized by some Hindus as being representative. And of course, he said, no, it's not. It pulls from, matter of fact, Matheson said by the end of writing the book, he had his own religion, effectively. He didn't obviously uh, have other people join him in it. Um, we don't, he, he didn't get that tax right off. I'm curious about that, too. You just, You know, you just made it up. Right, you know, you just pulled all that into it, and then you like it so well that you decide that's your religion. I'm not saying he did that, I'm, but, but I know, I know well, people but, who have done it. Well, but I think the flip side of that is, like, I've always had the philosophy as we talk about the afterlife is that I honestly thought if, and I'm going to offend people here, and and I'm sorry, but hopefully you're in one of those re- uh, religions that believe in forgiveness. Uh, <laughs> but I often think about. You know, this idea, I'm getting a pop-up page. For some, anyway, uh, th- this idea of if any religion was 100% right, like without flaw, this is, for lack of a better term, one true religion, right? If that existed, wouldn't you be able to sort of tell? Like, wouldn't you be like, everybody over there is nice to me. They're good. They're decent. They're, I've never I found that. No, I don't know. The only place I've ever it, been where everybody was nice was Canada. So should I worship Canada? No, no, those are false eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Canadian viewers. <laughs> no, um, and I'm, but no, I, I, I'm and, only and, half-heartedly joking. I'm well, no, and, and, and one the, asshole the whole time. And the flip oh. side of of all of that is, I, it's, it's correct. <laughs> Sorry, everybody got the text on one. Well, um, I forgot to move it off the damn table. Everybody, because that's something that I think about often, and I also think that a lot of religious texts have been edited over the years and translated, and and there's those people that argue that if you actually study the ancient Hebrew and Aramaic and Latin and all of that stuff, that, you know, for instance, thou shalt not kill, actually, is not what it says, thou shalt not murder. Murder is different than kill, and people have these debates. You know. So, so I kind of get it. I kind of applaud Matheson. They did try to take all these different religious views and say, what does hold true? What does help me identify? So I give him some credit. But um, I, I, I like the movie. I just always thought it was interesting because I've never, and I've never taken the time to read the book and see, 
I wonder what it is that bothered him about it. And I don't remember the specifics. I bet one thing that bothered him was the size of his cut. It's what it always bothered, bothered me about it. Yeah. All um, right, James, you got, what do what, you want? You got another movie? Let's talk about because, no, I want to talk about what the origin, so to speak, of our views of the afterlife. Uh, and what I mean by that is, You're I sit down with my kids. Philosophical hobo jobo, are you? No, I sit down with my kids and we watch Looney Tunes. And I don't know, Bugs Bunny. So far, you've got me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm tight. You, I'm, hold on to that 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 uh, that uh, meme, uh, Rick and Morty. You yeah. son of a bitch, I'm in. <laughs> Whatever it is. Yeah, no, that's um, uh, or the Leonardo DiCaprio from Django. Uh, yeah, you, yeah, earlier, no. you had my interest. Now you have my attention. Um, no, I sit down and watch that, and you know, uh, let's. I'll actually do Tweety Bird and Sylvester. Right, Tweety Bird does something. Sylvester ends up falling to his death. At the end of the episode, it's him balloon tied to him with a harp going to heaven. Right, it's it's everywhere. Where does that come from? So I thought, since I use these things other than just as coasters, not this one in particular. This this is for you, folks out there listening. He um, uses condoms as coasters. Book. It's a book. Uh, Whole handful of rubbers right now. So I wanted to take just a second and say, like he needs the magnum, please. Oh, now it's Elton. Is that the novelization uh, of Soul Man? No, this know. actually, uh, this is a book I got today. I now know why he asked. demands lambskin. Since you asked, Chad, uh, this is a book I got today. It's a, I, I'm, I, I never thought I'd own a copy of it. This book has nothing to do with our topic today, but it's called Sex and Education. And it's one of the most important books. You say sexy books. education? Sex and education. Let me. Let me I never got. Those, <laughs> I never got any sex education either. So I'd like to have some know. sexy education. This is one of the most fair important chance for girls. Yeah. <laughs> this is so one of the jokes. This is one of the most important books. The radio. Uh, this is one of the most important books that affected higher education uh, in the nineteenth uh, uh, and 20th, early twentieth. Are you going to tell us your story? And the reason it was, was it was a book that said, if women go to college, they'll be barren. It's important historical. Barren? Yeah, it, uh, that women, if they get educated, it will actually do them, they won't be able to have children. I'm Chad, not making that up. That's true. Oh, I thought it was they'd make pizzas. No, no, no. Chad, say the line. The Razor Arizona line. No one? <laughs> I, I'm barren. I can't feel like Holly Hunter. If I could. I anyway. Be Holly Hunter. So, that had nothing to do with anything, but since Chad asked, that's what that book is. I, I got it today. It's a story Anyway, um, but I want to talk. Before there were TV looky boxes, before we had film, there were books. Um, and so, a couple of things I want to bring up: there's our literary view or our literary writings have informed everything from Looney Tunes to what we see now, even in films. And it goes back to actually BC. Those images. Um, I've never actually heard this pronounced, so I'm sure I'm going to mispronounce it, but I'm going to try anyway. The uh, Aeneid by Virgil. Um, that was published, uh, Virgil died in 19 BC. However, his his writings about the afterlife are still uh, affected. As a matter of fact, if you like the film Gladiator, what, what it keeps showing Russell Crowe walking through, that is inspired by the Aeneid, Aeneid by Virgil. Um Went Virgil? on to be uh, to, uh, the million dollar man. Are you saying the Aeneid? Thank you, Aeneid. Thank you. I, I've never. Holy fuck, one of us has a PhD. I didn't know what he was talking about. I was like, is he trying to say Not in literature. 
I was told not Help to me out here, Chad. <laughs> anyway, Amy, I was thinking, I thought he was talking about the Iliad. I was going to go. That no. Virgil didn't write that. <laughs> no, no, I I know what no. the Iliad. Anyway, no, um, no, no, no. Mathis had wrote that. And Virgil anyway. and Virgil went on to get thrown out of Royal Rumble by Yokozuna. There anyway, you if you know anything about the, the the Greeks and Romans and people that would have inspired Virgil, Virgil couldn't write about heaven in the way we see it as in up there because gods were the only ones allowed up there and dead souls didn't get to go there, right? Mm-hmm. They went somewhere else. And if you were a good person, you went to a Matt Damon movie, Elysium. Okay. And Elysium was, here's the description of Elysium. It was where the heroic dead would have a grassy gymnasium where some, and this is a direct quote, compete in sports and wrestle on yellow sand while others can tread out the steps of a dance or sing songs. In other words, there was no more toiling. You got to do what you wanted to do. There was no more toilet? Toiling. Toiling. You did not no longer have to poop. That would be oh, hell, I think. Well, you don't have to, Chad. So you, defending your oh life, you can God. eat all ten of those pies and not have to poop. That uh, was the brilliance of Albert Brooks. But where do you get your me time? Anyway. I thought he said meat <laughs> time for a second. <laughs> well, yeah, they the meat pies, Chad. Where, where else pies. do you eat your prime rib? They be the meat pies. Meat pies, Chad. I'm not anyway. of that. But yeah, it is. We jump forward a little bit into a uh, into the book that inspired Matheson and, and several other people. There's even a video game called Dante's Inferno. Uh, but the Inferno is the one everybody talks about. But Dante Alighieri also wrote Paradiso, and so in in the Inferno he goes through hell and purgatory. Eventually, he is guided by Beatrice into seeing the abode of the angels. He gets to see heaven and. Here is how he describes heaven. Heaven has a light flowing like a river. So it's a soft light, but it's, it's everywhere. And then he met glowing, up with Rose and Blanche. <laughs> glowing with amber waves between two banks. So there's two there's banks. So the river constantly flows and you're part of it. Brill, brilliantly painted by spellbinding spring. That's the description of heaven. Still not what we see in Looney Tunes. Let's jump a little bit forward. So there's this other hack that comes along after Dante and says, I think I can describe heaven. And that would be Jeffrey Chaucer. And it is not part of the thing most people know Chaucer for. It's not part of those Canterbury tales. It's, uh, and I'm going to mispronounce this because, again, I've only read it. I've never actually had it pronounced to me. Uh, Troilus and Chrysady. I don't, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that. Again, sorry, people. I read them. I don't hear them pronounced. But this is a story of a requited love, not an unrequited love, uh, and the agony of that love eventually betraying you. Troilus becomes a kamikaze warrior, and of course, what happens to kamikaze warriors? They die. What? And when he dies, he gets to ascend to what is referred to as the Platonic heaven, Plato's heaven. And what is Plato's heaven? Well, what is Plato? You know, when you think about Socrates, Socratic, Socratic questioning that plato taught what is where you don't mean? get any <laughs> platonic get it yeah i got ah. it i got it i wish i didn't uh, <laughs> platonic heaven he's just trying to break some Chaucer, of this up james keep going <laughs> platonic is is where we do start to see some overlap to how heaven's been portrayed in tvs and film and all that stuff 
if you watch something where it shows heaven where they you know spend their afterlife watching over us that's platonic heaven you have to observe and so uh Troilus has to spend the rest of his life observing what is going on, on earth and he thinks it's hilarious right because he says this once once you're in heaven and you're just looking down it's all minor it's who cares it's all it's it's pit it's piddly stuff it, it's nothing jump forward a little bit more we get to Paradise Lost by John Milton. Uh, John Milton, 1608 to 1674. So we're in the 17th century now. So we know in Paradise Lost, the fallen angels are, you know, in misery, right? They had GPS. That wouldn't be a problem now. Um, where is God? Oh well, God, and let me quote this directly, is the pure Empyrean, where uh, while ambrosial fragrance filled all heaven, Milton imagines this as a place of music, where, and this is where it starts to get uh, direct into our modern cartoon versions, blessed voices sing, and there is constant uttering joy. The angels twang their harps with preamble suite of a charming heavenly symphony. Harp and all that stuff, blame Paradise Lost and John Milton. There's some other sources as well. He, he borrowed from some other sources as well. Uh, a contemporary of him, uh, uh, John Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, which I don't recommend you read because I'm not a big fan of Pilgrim's Progress, but also defines heaven. Heaven yeah. has streets that are paved with gold, and there are, again, the populace is filled with harps and constantly sing praises. And by the way, guys, would you honestly want to live if it was like you're trying, four o'clock in the morning, there's just an angel outside going, everything's great, guys. Listen to this. I'm going to stir for about 400 more years. Um, I would literally get a pellet gun. <laughs> Are you talking about now or heaven? <laughs> Either or. I'm trying to give you all the historic background. Uh, the flesh Listen, and the spirit. I read the Bible. That's the only damn book I need to read. Hey, you read the translation that was edited. I read, uh, <laughs> read the cliff notes. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, hold on. Pretty you sure read the, it was the Cliff Notes of Beloved, but I guess the gist. <laughs> no, no, no. You read the Chevy Maintenance Bible. <laughs> no, he stole. He stole the one out of the hotel that only had five pages left in it. <laughs> True story. I've got five Gideon Bibles over here, the New Testament. When I was going through stuff, trying to get rid of them over <laughs> Christmas break, and I've where they've just handed them over to me on campus over the yep. years, and I don't want to be rude to these old men giving out Gideon Bibles. And there's a stack of them over there. And I went to throw the boy. And I, it was 11 30, 12 o'clock at night. I was just Chrissy and I down here. And I go, Should I? And she goes, I don't know. And I go, I can't. I, whatever Baptist is left in me, I couldn't do it. They're sitting right over here. How many, honestly, how many of those do you think end up at Goodwill every year? I would have to imagine a ton through the, through the donation when you drive and drop off the donation and drive I away. I have no idea. Has to be a lot. Has to be a lot. Uh, anyway, um, a couple other historical ones. I want to give some credit to some women authors who defined heaven. Anne Bradstreet. Uh, Anne Bradstreet, writing in between 1612 and 1672, so we're still in the 17th century, wrote The Flesh and the Spirit. And The Flesh and the Spirit is actually a debate between flesh and spirit. And flesh tr is trying to convince spirit about how great being alive is. It's a very... Uh, especially for the 17th century. It's a very, very interesting work. Uh, and so, you know, flesh is like, but we have food. We have all this stuff. And it made me, again, think of soul, where, it is, oh, no, you don't, nothing taste. You can't feel. You can't do anything. 
Um, this is a book that has that debate in the 17th century. And finally, Spirit's answer is, but you haven't seen heaven. Uh, if you see heaven, and again, here's a description of heaven from Anne Bradstreet. The stately walls, both high and strong, are made of precious jasper stone. There are, uh, there are gates of pearl, some pearly gates, uh, and streets of transparent gold and a crystal river. Uh, one other example, we'll get to the 19th century, and I'll, I'll get ready to wrap this up after just 18 more. No, I, I got three more to do the 18th and the uh, 20, or I'm sorry, the 19th and 20th century. Emily Dickinson wrote a poem uh, called I Went to Heaven. It is actually considered one of her more eccentric works. And if you know anything about Emily Dickinson, that's something to be said. Um, because she is not overly impressed with heaven in her own view. Here's her quote from her work, I Went to Heaven. "'Twas a small town lit with a ruby. Um, that makes no sense. Lathed with down, stiller than the fields at the full dew. I'll jump ahead a little bit. Uh, the inhabitants had, quote, duties of gossamer, and either names. Uh, and finally, she what says, is a go What does a gossamer duty smell like? I wonder. <laughs> oh my God. Anyway. Um, oh, it went through me like a gossamer goose. <laughs> <laughs> I went to say Christmas gossamer. The gossamer goose came out of me. I, I mean, gossamer goose would gossamer come out of me. I think, I, think I think my Metamucil had shards of glass in it. Damn. <laughs> So, Your gossamer um, goose is cooked. Emily Dickinson, though, actually in her poem almost was saying that... Uh, Holy shit, James. She still doesn't want to go. So Emily Dickinson, in her own way, was the Hank Williams Jr. of her time. Because if heaven ain't a lot... Anyway, um, because she said she would be almost contented to view such unique society. Well, that's okay. She was one of those damn women livers. She burned it in hell. Move on. <laughs> Uh, so we get joke, we, people that's a joke before I start getting hate mail. It's a joke. I would like somebody watching this show anyway. So, so the bridge to the 19th and 20th century, they, they born, tuned out about the 15th century. <laughs> he was born. I'm trying to give you all the scope of where our views of heaven come from. I love, Lister I can't believe you keep, I can't believe. So, I want to bring this up though because it is a favorite of so many people, at least the first book. I don't know how many people have read them all, so I want to bring up C.S. Lewis. Yes. Wrote uh, the, the Jesus, Jesus line. The Jesus allegory line. That's a weird thing to say in front of the Jesus allegory line, but yeah, I saw it. Anyway, um, I don't know if anybody's read The Last Battle, which is the end of the, the line, The Witch in the Wardrobe series. The I have not. Um, so uh, the kids um, in that, uh, they you find out by the end of the book that they died in the train crash that happens at the beginning of that book. So, spoiler uh, Bruce Willis is dead the whole time. Uh, they have been dead the entire book. And once they realize that, they realize that they have actually been traveling into heaven in that particular book. And that is their, that's why it's called The Last Battle. They are at peace now. Um, and here is the way heaven is described there. Here's how C.S. Lewis envisioned heaven for that series. There were forests and green slopes and sweet orchard and flashing waterfalls, one above the other, going on forever the holidays have begun that's and finally good, that's not a very good descriptor no well, writer i, I know well you know what you have you more time do. on jesus on jesus lion you know what you should do is send a letter to his estate and let them i should have sent a letter to him 
What does anybody have the address to oblivion? <laughs> God. <laughs> Can you imagine, by the way? Now I've got a burrito need. About- I got to get one of these gossamer duties. I got to do some scientific research. Did you say you had some burrito meat? <laughs> can yes. You, can you imagine, I by the way? Burrito meat, my baby. <laughs> can you imagine? Now I'm just picturing. Can you imagine C.S. Lewis dies and he gets to heaven and, uh, you know, St. Peter's sitting there with the book going, This is not what this is at all. No, sir. Anyway. The last one I wanted to mention. And then only goes, you know, no, no, no. This is the third time you said the last one. No, no, no. And by the Actually, way, no, but no. Then St. Peter goes, more early. hold on, I got a gossamer log coming. This is the last one because <laughs> this goose. description, this description to me is hell. But I want to bring it up because some people really like this description. Uh, the Lovely Bones, which was made into a movie, but yes. the book describes heaven this way. And if you know anything about the, the book, she... That the, your protagonist was raped and murdered beginning of the book and obviously is dead and telling the story from dead. Here's her, here's how heaven is described in that book. It's like high school, but without any compulsory lessons except for art. Nothing about high school screams heaven to me. So this book is not for me. <laughs> Peter Jackson did a better job than that description. So I, I wanted to, well, Fran Walsh. Rewrote that, right? I mean, she yeah, did this. Jim Fran Walsh in his other uh, Philip Foya, Philip Foya, Philip, uh, Philippa, Philip, Philippa Gregory, rest them, uh, Queen novels. No, no, the uh, Oliver Queen was a green arrow, but you know, guys, <laughs> that is, was bitch. On, if you look up heaven movies, and I think it's simply because that lovely bones, heaven can wait with uh, what's his face, which is actually Warren Beatty, with Warren Beatty is on a lot of lists, and I keep thinking, well, it's just because there's probably not a ton of movies. Yeah, and, you know, there's two that I wanted to talk about that, you know... It doesn't we don't have time. Thank you all so much. We spent <laughs> 14 hours on the 6th century. We'll see you all next week. No, yeah. I was just... Gutenberg you hadn't even invented it. Oh, no, my God. I tried to add something to this, so we're they not talking about They had to handwrite those books out, because there wasn't a printing. Yeah, actually, that's, but that's there's, there's two movies that were... It's technically not heaven. It's, it's still the afterlife, but in order for them to move on to heaven, they have to complete something on earth. So that kind of falls into the afterlife. And that, and two movies is, uh, that I, I think do a great job of that. James? Chad, are you saying, uh, for what it's worth, ooh, baby, heaven is a place on earth? They say in heaven, loves come first. But you may. I was hoping he'd do Buffalo Springfield for what it's worth. No, I'm sorry. I was doing who who sings that? Who am I? Linda Carlisle. Yeah. So Chad, you were you were speaking eloquently. Uh, Yeah. You uh, made me call him eloquent. And we all know that's never the case. I tried to do a actual. I try to bring in something other than movies so we can keep our pop culture. Well, I'm going to bring up TV, but I don't know if we'll have time now. (laughs) Keep going oh. with your movies. Was um, but uh, one of the movies that I think is forgotten in Steven Spielberg's arsenal. Ah, shit! Yeah. This is the next one I was going to talk about. Yeah, always. Well, right? sometimes. What movie is always forgotten in his arsenal, Chad? Tell us. Sometimes. No, I ain't seen it. Is it as good as always? <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> so, I, I I really like I really like Always with Richard Dreyfuss and John Goodman and Helen. So Hunt. much better than Ghost. 
It is, in my opinion. <laughs> I agree. I actually, I wasn't being sarcastic. I actually prefer it to go. And, you know, it's also the, the movie that made me really, whenever I hear Crazy Love, it honestly, it honestly puts me in that type of happy place. Gives you the I, mahogany? Little, I uh, have the same feeling because of uh, Coneheads whenever I hear Tainted Love. Yeah. But if you if you haven't seen Always, it's it's plain and simple. Richard Dreyfus dies, but in order to move on, he has to make sure the love of his life becomes stays happy without him gone. No, hold on. That's his. Before he moves on, he has to help someone. He has to help the guy that basically replaces him. You're right. I'm sorry. I the problem is, is he doesn't want to help him because they're falling in love and he wants to stop it because that's the love of his life. His life. Dead is dead, dead or dead. Joe, thank you. I don't know why I just said that out. This is what happens when I don't have notes. Yeah. So he yeah. has to train his own replacement. So what you're saying <laughs> is is they can't play football and they gotta go get some replacement. Yeah. Keanu gonna come in and help them as well as that British wiry guy. Well, they're gonna have to play Iron Man because they don't have enough for defense and offense, and they're Sinbad, and there may be some necessary roughness. Oof. What? See, I want replacements. You went. I went both. Yeah, Mastery. Joe. Joe merged them in a very hacky knee. Oh, hacky had to tell you. Hey, Gossamer duties. Nothing is going to beat Gossamer Duties. I think that's the name of this episode, right? I can never remember. I don't, I don't even know how to spell it. I don't either. Duties. I think it's S-H-I-P. Chad. Um, and then the other one. Uh, this is the movie. And then the movie that made me. <laughs> now we know why Joe's uh, teach your kid to read books always fail. But no, and the other movie. This is Your the movie mom is spelled H-O. <laughs> Sorry, Chad. But no, uh, the movie oh, that made me really love Robert Downey Jr., Hearts and Souls. Heart and Souls. Um, okay. I really like that movie simply because it has a great ensemble cast, bar none. But Robert Downey Jr. portraying, and if you haven't seen Heart and Souls, it's one of those obscure, I feel like it's obscure. I don't think anybody's seen it. Yeah, it's no um, heartbeats. Essentially, four, four people die on a bus and their souls are transported to this baby who grows up to be Robert Downey Jr. And they're stuck with him wherever he goes for their, for, for eternity until, until they figure it, well, not eternity for as long as Robert, but until they complete the one thing missing in their life so they can move on to the, so they can move on to heaven. Um, it's a really great movie. And in, in, in my opinion, I really do love it. And seeing uh, they, they take over Robert Downey Jr.'s body to complete these tasks and seeing him portray each one of these actors, um, it, it, you see his range and why he is so successful, despite all of his um, horrible past of drugs and insanity. Um, but no, I mean, I've always liked those types of movies uh, where these souls are stuck on earth and they have to complete some kind of task before they move on to heaven. And, uh, and, and when we're talking Hold about on, the- actual, Real quick, Chad loves- mission movies in heaven so basically we're going to pitch it next week to warner brothers you've seen heaven and you've now seen the dirty dozen we're doing the dirty dozen goes to heaven oh my god no that's actually a great <laughs> idea to complete here. this mission before they can get into heaven and if not it's right back and the good news is everybody from that cast is already there <laughs> already there we're we just gotta get out our ouija board and we're good 
That's right. If they want out of hell, they've got to complete one last mission to get to heaven. Is there anybody left from that's alive from the dirty desert? I don't think so. Jim Brown. Jim Brown. Ah, what a great movie. But no, I don't. I just wanted to briefly mention those because I, I like movie those movies, and I think those are two of the the, the key examples of that type of subgenre of movies. Well, I think most movies don't really deal with actually what's going on in heaven. It's such a just a quasi what could that be how do you visually tell that it's like yeah. always and always real quick before we go on to it you let it's a remake it's a remake of a yeah. show directed by victor fleming by the way written by dalton trumbo for everybody out there is one did of the not writers. know that was dalton trumbo dalton trumbo is one of the writers i think he's the last screenwriter of it, it, it always is a is not one of my favorite Spielberg films. I liked it as a kid. Actually, I prefer when smoke gets in your eyes as far as songs, Chad, when you were talking earlier. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I, I my like dad it. liked that song just anyway. Yeah. I love that song. And I that when I think of that movie, I think of Audrey Hepburn and that song. And the more and that it's actually one of Spielberg's, it's not one of my favorites, but it's one of Spielberg's prettiest films. I agree with you. It's pretty. And I don't here's a little interesting fact about this, because I was going to talk about always. Uh it actually came out you could only get it letterboxed and videotape i don't know if you all knew that spielberg no. demanded that it would only come out letterboxed so because there he refused to have what he had shot go do pan and scan like they've done on on all of his other films like they did on most all movies yeah, yeah. and if you don't know what that is we could do a whole episode between pan and scan and letterbox but and the other interesting thing is that's the movie when they were doing the table read he walked in and says ladies and gentlemen i have found my fred flintstone John Goodman? John Goodman. Oh. Found out later, John Goodman never wanted to play Fred Flintstone. <laughs> Tried to get out of it right before they were shooting and got yelled at it. <laughs> Went ahead and did the movie. And wanted and enjoyed Spielberg, liked Spielberg, and then in the end just did not want to piss him off because he was Spielberg and ended up doing it. He never wanted to be Fred Flintstone. Oh, that's interesting. Honestly, but, I couldn't envision anybody being Fred Flintstone other than well, John. Well, Spielberg's Gunn. right. I found my Fred Flintstone. There he is. But a guy named Joe is Spencer Tracy. Check it out if you like always. I, I, I the, You know what's better? That always is prettier. And I like Richard Dreyfuss, but he's no Spencer Tracy. No. Makes sense, guys? Yeah, it makes perfect so, sense. So Spencer Tracy is much more watchable in that role. Sorry. You know, Go ahead. It, as we talk about depictions of heaven and, and the afterlife, I think one thing that we probably do need to acknowledge in this conversation is uh, depictions of of God that films have done yeah, or that very, television have done. I want to do one on TV. Yeah. Go. Uh, and, and the one that comes to mind, there's a couple that comes to mind for me, and two of them that I really do like quite a bit uh, our, our James, from, James's smile makes him think he's going to pick the one that I, I'm thinking of. So go ahead, James. I was going to talk about Matt Groening's versions of God. Exactly. Uh, I love in in Simpsons. You know how you can always tell if it's God is God always has five fingers. Yep. Yeah. Every time God's anime. But even more important or funnier to me because yep. one of my favorite uh, lines from The Simpsons is. It's literally, they're fading to black in the episode, and Homer goes, can you just tell me the meaning of life? Well, I'll tell you when you're dead. I can't wait that long. You can't wait five months? 
It's a, it's a throwaway <laughs> line, but I laugh every time. And then I love God in, in disenchantment. I love the entire parallel of, uh, if you've not seen it, there's a character voiced by Billy West, Elfo, who has to get thrown out of heaven. And there's an entire scene where he gets a golden calf and he and he's like, you've got to kick me out now. I've got this idol. Well, technically I'm God. I'm in all things. So technically I'm in the golden calf. So you're still worshiping me. Well, I'm going to have sex with it. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. If that makes you happy, this is heaven. And the only thing that eventually gets him kicked out is he makes fun of somebody that God likes. And I won't give away the, the, the scene. But the way that Matt Groening always plays around, or Matt Groening projects, is written by tons of people and all. I don't want to. I don't want to not give credit to the writers, but there's something about the way Matt Groening has played with the religion in The Simpsons. Matter of fact, I think there's an entire book called The Simpsons and Religion. I know for a while, of course, a lot of organized religions were against The Simpsons, and there was kind of this renaissance after it had been on the air about ten years, saying, "Well, actually, maybe they're not that bad." Maybe what it has to say about religion uniting people. I mean, they go to church, so they do all this stuff. But I think that's one of my favorite portrayals of 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 God. In, wow. in, um, um, James, I'm, I'm going to cut you off because <clears throat> I, I figured there's I, there's another one that I was going to stop because I thought you might do it. So yeah, because it's not my favorite. My favorite is from Futurama of God. Yeah, where where Bender is in space. Mm-hmm. floating endlessly and he runs into to a a star cluster that's speaking in binary yeah until he goes i only know what is it what is been i speak english uh, i have a hard time with binary do you speak english i do now <laughs> <laughs> but it has one of the best lines of uh, from god when 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 thinking about god it's the best line ever when talking about him. Um, I'm going to do the whole line, so bear with me. Um, God, Bender, being God isn't easy. If you do too much, people get dependent on you. And if you do nothing, they lose hope. You have to use a light touch, like a safe cracker or a pickpocket. (laughs) Bender, or a guy who burns down a bar for insurance money? And then God goes, yes, if you make it look like an electrical thing. (laughs) But now here's the line. When you do things right, people won't be sure you've done anything at all. No, go ahead. Finish your point. No, I'm just saying, if, if you're thinking of God, every, that's the problem with God in heaven now is everybody's looking for something. But I think Futurama puts it in a great, you're not going to, he's, he's, if, if God exists, it's not going to be in your face. It's going to be through subtle movements. So just well, enjoy what life is. And well, you're both and, wrong. Go ahead. I was going to say, on a lesser extent, by the way, there's also the Family Guy reference. And Family Guy has done thousands of references. And I know Joe has another one. But one of the ones that I love is where somebody goes, thank you, God, thank you. And it pans up. And God runs over going, I didn't do that. And it pans over, I think, and it's Vishnu or somebody. And he goes, it was me, but you get all the credit anyway. And I'm just what a perfect commentary that is. And if we're talking about Family Guy, Joe, we got to do it. We haven't done it in forever. Jesus, get the Escalade. <laughs> uh, 
uh, and I, by the way, Chad's right. That's one of the best lines. I actually have forgotten about that, but my, my favorite, you're both wrong. I miss, and I, which is funny because both of yours are less pessimistic than mine. I think Supernatural handled God the best. Oh, God and angels. Angels are dicks, and God's a crap writer. Yeah. I, I that is shitty, shitty pulp B writer. Well, you know, and that's, that's one of, keep things going and making it interesting. You know, one of the things, and, and we could do an entire commentary on this because, um, and I'm sure Chad can come up with a thousand examples as well, but comic books for a long time, if you go pre-code, they used religion all the time. It wasn't uncommon for the devil or God to create a hero or something like that. And then you got the code and they got eh, a little bit, ghost rider has to be it can be powered by a demon but it can't be satan it can't and you know the code has since been relaxed and all of that stuff but i think religion has been a big part of comics and one of my favorite examples of that and if you're a big comic nerd uh i recommend checking this out fantastic four issue 511 uh there's it's part of um five i think it starts in five nine uh, 509 uh the thing is killed and it's reed's fault and they eventually decide they're going to find a way to bring him back. And, you know, Fantastic Four could be time travel. To, and they end up finding this place where he is. And the, 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 the art story arc is called The Hereafter. The reason issue 511 is so important is they get to this place and there's this barrier. And, and there's a wall they can't get through, but they're able to talk to Ben Grimm, the thing, and say, you know, we'll bring you back. And he doesn't want to go back. And the Human Torch, you know, basically, and there's this entire dialogue of I'm at peace. Let me be at peace and all of that stuff. And it's good. But then eventually they kind of break through the barrier. And when they get through the barrier, they think, what are we going to find? And it's a little studio apartment. And there's a little man at a writing desk or at an artist desk. And if you're a comic book fan, you recognize very quickly it's Jack Kirby. And it's Jack Kirby along with Stanley created the entire universe. But there's this great dialogue where they're like, who are you? And he's like, I'm a cre- I'm the creator. And he never says it's God, never says, and you know, there's this back and forth of you're not what we would expect. And he goes, I'm what you need me to be, or what you expect me to be, or what you and so it's I, I think it's interesting that when we talk about how different things portray the, you know, that being your description for supernatural works. Because supernatural doesn't work if they do find a God that's like, oh no, let me step in and solve this for you. That's, that's called the end of the show, right? I mean, if right. you did have that character, if you can go and be like, oh, God was just tied up, it's the same thing with Dogma, right? Right. Once they find God, Dogma as a movie is over, effectively. You get a couple more cool scenes, a Lance Morissette pops up, people's heads explode, good times. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's one of the challenges when you do use, you know, have, have a story arc that involves God. Or, or, or whatever cosmic being you want. It, it gets really hard to have that moment of what does that look like? How do you do that? Um, and can I bring up one, one uh, view of heaven that actually haunts me? And I also hope it's not like other than that high school one. As long as it was in this century. <laughs> it, well, I mean, technically it's not anymore, but Monty Python's the meaning of life. Well, I oh, wanted yeah. to talk about that, but I thought I'd save it for the next one. What I'm talking about the the Christmas in heaven. 
Like that is not, I mean, no, no offense meant to Eric Idle and John Cleese and, and those very talented individuals, but I always think about that where it's, you know, it's like lounge music and it's, and, 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 and that to me is, is not, I don't know. It's, it, it's, I often theorize about, you know, what is, what is the, even if you do a strict biblical reading of what heaven is, well, you're not going to have any worries. Well, does that mean I forget things? Like, I, do, do our souls separate? Do they, it's a fascinating conversation, but I, I Christmas in heaven, uh, which is a closing of meaning of life, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, to me, it's, it's, it's a creepy theory more than it is a, uh, uh, oh, a moment of rest. Well, as we wrap up, guys, so I, 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 I hate to, no, I don't hate to, but ch- I think that line from Futurama probably should have been how we wrapped up the show. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think do nothing. That, if you do it right, it looks like you did nothing at all. Yeah, and I, I love that line, and it's still one of my favorite Futurama episodes. And what I'd like to talk about in the next episode is why do we see so? Why is it so much easier for mankind and art to? show visually hell because more of it more in the movies we talk about hell we do because as a as a race as a culture as a society we tend to worry about the darker side versus the the brighter side but but i also think i don't even i don't why is it easier for us to visualize it Uh, well and i'll talk about this more in the next episode because i do think our hell conversation is going to be much better because of exactly what you're talking about it could be worse thanks joe no but i I think i think that's i think chad's also right but i think the other part about it is is we all have pain right we all have suffering um and i think with that is like a lake of burning fire. I don't care who it is. You throw somebody in fire, they're going to suffer. Happiness is not the same for everybody. There are people that would look at hypothetically having children. I know people that I don't never want to have kids. And that's their truth. That may be true for them. I, I don't I don't I think joy is just a little bit, but I think they're both very, very different. And I think they're both different for, for many, many people. And I think the idea of suffering, yeah, you could talk you, about pain but, and fire. Yeah, and you, you gotta think though, heaven, everything is nice, there's nothing wrong. You can't develop pop culture around that, but I, hell, pain, suffering, explosions, fire, God with a pitchfork poking you in the ass. Um it's so it may be I, demons knowing on sounds your, like a Sunday night to me. demons so knowing on your nipples. You can't do drama and you can't do drama in heaven. Right, basically, no. that's what well, I'm saying. You, that was it's everything is there. It's happy. You can't do pop culture even when around we that. do. Even when we do heaven, they got to defend their life to get there. They got to. Yeah. They got to. It's and it's well, got to be. And even 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 like if you think about it, a lot of the comedy of a lot of heaven is done in comedies, like Little Nicky. Um, I'm trying to think of, oh, I'm blanking. I had three right off the top of my head and I just well, blanked The, the on. question that we all need to be asking ourselves, though, as we think about heaven is, of course, the question that has... South Park has, was the other one. Yeah, you know, Mormons, we yeah. had it right. Ooh, you know. Has, has haunted man since at least the 1980s. And that is, of course, when we think about heaven and we think about God, we have to ask ourselves, what would God want with the starship? I knew you were going to fit it in. Somewhere. I had to fit it in. I, I had to. Somewhere. But anyway, no, no. I, I think, I, like I said, I think we're going to have a great conversation because, like you were saying, I mean, we could probably do a ten-parter on hell representations. 
it's yeah. just i mean it's not just art of course there 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 are many great artists who have put to canvas what their idea of heaven is but i i don't know i i, I my gut feeling is is if you counted it up between that and hell you're going to get a lot more hell and that's true you think also i know you get a lot more hell when it comes to movies oh well no i think you're true in art because i mean if you uh, you i think it's more visceral i think it's more well i i think i may it may just be as simplistic as there's just drama how do you do drama in heaven and if you do drama in heaven it isn't quite heaven anymore well and that's it i think that's and i think again it goes back natural did effectively yeah and I think that's it. I think, you know, as you think about these. And you guys haven't watched the last season. So there's a lot more to heaven in the last yeah, season. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get there. I'm not really. I got, I got stuff I'm, going saying, there's a lot I'm more not saying heaven. that. I'm just, I'm going to get there. I'm, I'm, the fact that I'm, what, now three seasons behind is gnawing at me. But do you think it's also because, I mean, even if we, if, if you want to do the Christian afterlife and you go to the Bible, we get God through a burning bush. And if you get one of the Bibles that has the words of Jesus, blow the man down. Um, <laughs> what? The uh, three amigos. Yeah. You get, you oh, get the words no, of. This is a t- talking bush. I guess this, <laughs> this is a talking bush. By the way, that 15 minutes in that, or that 10 minutes in that movie is some of the 10 funniest minutes in all of cinema throughout the 80s. There is no argument. But, but the problem is, there's only about that 10 or 15 minutes. Oh, no, sir. There's there are there... good lines, but nothing in that movie reaches the height of hilarity but the invisible swordsman to the singing bush there's just nothing that i can't that i will not argue there's no come anywhere close to anywhere near i even love spies like us and i don't think there's anything in spies like us that comes to you shot invisible (laughs) swords there's i i don't know it's the most python-esque too it's something i would see monty python doing that didn't happen on monty python okay sorry go ahead but no i so i i think again I think that honestly, I'm sitting here when I was prepping for this one, I was like, oh, I can do the classic literature. I can do stuff like that. But honestly, if you tell me, maybe it's the effect of 2020, but there's a lot more hell. Yeah. It's and just- I do, I, we, I do want to end on, on and because I think some of our listeners might be yelling at the screen that we haven't talked about it yet. In terms of TV, and I really do consider this a modern classic, I think as we progress forward, um, this this will be one that's remembered. The good place, um, in the fi- I'm, I don't want to tell anybody anything, especially you two, because you haven't seen it yet. On the off chance that you will watch oh, I'm, it, I, it's, it, it's on, it my is on the eventual forty second somewhere. Q. The the last season does an amazing portrayal of heaven of of kind of what heaven should be uh, in terms of of how we view it, and I I, I really think in terms of television. Futurama, best best presentation of God. Good place, the best presentation of heaven, in my opinion. I can't think of any TV source where heaven was 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 portrayed in that manner. So I do want to briefly, before we wrap, give the good place a brief nod of, if there is a heaven, I hope that's it. Because you want to live with Kristen. You want to live no. with Elsa. Kristen Bell. She's Anna. Oh, yeah, I know it is. Uh, Elsa is a uh, the brunette oh. with the voice. Yeah, Adina uh, Menzel. Adina Menzel. Too. Yeah, from Uncut Gems. Yeah. I was gonna say from years on Broadway, but sure. <laughs> Who knows anything about that? But have you seen those Uncut Gems? 
All right, guys. We ready to wrap up? This Rabbit. little slice of heaven is coming to a close. Next week, we're going to talk about hell. Oh. Our, we're there's a highway there. to it, supposedly. But there's also one to heaven. Is it the same road? Does it depend on which way you're going? I got bad. For some odd reason, we all turned into Jerry Seinfeld. I'm bad with directions. Read it <laughs> no. I got to go take a Dossimer dump. Gossamer. This is no. <laughs> you say Dossimer? C-Doss. C-Doss run. He said a run Dossimer dump. dump. That's right. When my poop comes it out, it sings. Dump. It's some sort of mu- lyrical musical thing. Yeah, it sings. Dossimer. And it sounds like Barbara Streisand. <laughs> This has been Bonehead.